Coming up, frilly dresses, raw food messes, and augmented breastesses. Also, more proof that love kills on the breaking point. Ask Aunt Goaty. And are witches real? Keep your shoes on, love muffins. It's the third movie you watch in hell on this episode of Kiss the Goat. Let's consider the horror movies that delve into the supernatural realm with a particular focus on demonic activity. And this is Kiss, Kiss the, the goat. goat. Light a candle for the sinners, set the world on fire. There's someone out there for everyone. The best relationships usually begin unexpectedly. You had me from hello. I just threw up in my mouth a little. All right, this circle is closed and no one may love nor enter without express written permission from Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. This is episode 47 of Kiss the Goat and welcome to it. We're at the halfway point of our inexorable journey to the center of cinematic Gehenna. How you doing, cutie bug? What doesn't kill me makes me stranger. Damn skippy. Well, we know last week's show made a serious attempt at sucking out your soul. God, that fucking movie. That's just the worst <laughs> thing. Worst thing I've seen in forever. Well, partially seen, I guess, because I couldn't finish the goddamn thing. And I mean goddamned in the most literal sense of the term. I beseech all of the gods to damn that movie to the underworld of their choice. Burn it down! Burn it all down, baby. Well, we are in a figurative movie Hades, so I guess that's an accurate request. And the shit we're into on this episode is also bad. In a far different way, however. Hang with us through the break, not only for this week's fresh hell, but for the breaking point. Back in two and two. Broadcasting from the Cursed Earth, the Psycho-Semanticast. Let us face, without panic, the reality of our time. The fact that atom bombs may someday be dropped on our cities. And let us prepare for survival by understanding the weapon that threatens us. To have a, uh, an ignorant, uh, thin-skinned megalomaniac uh, who sends off uh, you know, Twitters at 3 a.m. if somebody angered him. The neo-Nazis turning up in Washington, D.C. to have a rally saying, Heil Trump. We talk about politics. I knew I couldn't trust you corporate greaseballs. We talk about movies. You can't come down here and arrest people just because of what they look like. Are you crazy? But that's police harassment. We talk about political movies. We're in trouble. The whole world's in trouble. They're all around us and we never knew it. You can only see them with these special glasses. The Psycho Semanticast. Trigger warning. Everything. Let's take another ride into Happy Town with Aaron Sunday. This is The Breaking Point. 
I think it's time that we start talking about a divorce. I need a divorce. Here, sign these. I'm leaving. And I want a divorce. What, you're saying what, you want a divorce? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, maybe I do. Well, I'm gonna go then! And I don't need any of this! I don't need this stuff! And I don't need you! I don't need anything except this! And I tell you, that's the only thing I need is this! I just want to be left the hell alone! Are you asking me for a divorce? Okay, let's talk about dating sites. <laughs> oh, yes. yes let's. But we've all been on them, right? Nope. No, what? actually. Well, maybe you two haven't. But <laughs> whether it's Ashley Madison, Tinder, Grinder, or even Facebook and MySpace, yes, I consider those dating sites too. We've all been guilty of checking people out and trying to hook up a time or two. Was Seether a dating site? The what? <laughs> so was Seether a dating site? <laughs> it, just, it ends with ER. Oh. It seems to make sense. No X. All right, fine. I mean, we got to go fishing when there's plenty of fish, right? Sure. You know I have to make a joke like that at least once. <laughs> We'd be kind of sad if you didn't, actually. So, anyway, you guys do remember reading personal ads in the newspaper, right? Yes. Yeah. That, okay. that I remember. All yeah. right. Of course, I, you know, my age, they were just telegraphs. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Well, that explains why you haven't been on a dating site. I'll do it. So, I used to find them as a kid and laugh at them. Cruel, maybe. I know, but I was a tiny jerk. And it happened. Uh, So, those personal ads have been around since the early 1700s. One of the very first was posted by Helen Morrison in Manchester Weekly Journal in 1727. And it was a simple ad, but it caught the attention of the mayor who committed her to an asylum for a month. Wow. Yeah. So I guess people should have known that putting their hearts out there meant that they would be left crushed in one way or another from the very start. Like, heartache. <laughs> uh, regardless, personal ads slowly became a typical part of magazines and papers, and eventually there were even lonely hearts clubs that you could join through, like, romantic magazines and whatnot. In love, we like to tell ourselves stories about how two lonely hearts meet and ride off into the sunset happily ever after. We sometimes throw in a few bumps in the road to make things interesting, but the majority of people like to make the ending this big, wonderful thing as if the lovebirds will never have to stop singing their stupid fucking songs to one another. (laughs) I hate those stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like it when the story is messy and confusing and depressing at times. I want to feel all of the feels and not just happy cry my face away. But I still like a happy ending every once in a while. Even I have to admit that I'm a sucker for two people staying together after they went through hell. But the story I'm going to tell you guys tonight is a story that is riddled with sad twists, bad decisions, and a weird version of a happy ending, I guess, kind of. <laughs> Moving on. That's kind of that's a subjective term, happy ending. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. So in 1947, an unloved and unwanted woman joined a Lonely Hearts Club. This woman was a severely obese and, from all accounts, very unattractive woman. After her bad luck with love, this seemed like her best and maybe only chance of finding that special someone. Surprisingly, it looked like her luck was changing because she received an answer to her very first letter. So who was the potential suitor? Raymond Fernandez. But who was the woman? Martha Beck. So, here's what we know about Martha. She was born May 6, 1920 in Milton, Florida, as Martha Jewel Seabrook. Um, she'd always struggled with her appearance and her weight uh, because she had a glandular problem, I guess. And um, it caused her to actually go through puberty very young, which maybe is why her brother sexually assaulted her or something because she was more developed. I don't know. But... She tried telling her mother, and her mother beat her and blamed her for it. So feeling violated and with nowhere to find comfort, she ran away as a teen. Um, she studied nursing. She finished school, then studied nursing, but couldn't find a job because of her weight. Um, so she took a job as an undertaker's assistant, preparing female bodies for burial. Really fun job. Yeah. <laughs> she got tired of that, of course, and moved to California to work in an army hospital as a nurse. But she was a bit of a trollop and ended up, and ended up pregnant. The father didn't want really anything to do with her or the baby. Didn't want to marry her, so she returned to Florida single and pregnant. That's where you go. Um, but when she went back, she told everybody she had married a military man and that he died in the Pacific campaign. So the whole town mourned with her and even printed a story in the paper. Wow. Soon after her daughter was born, she got pregnant again, like very soon after. She got pregnant again um, by this bus driver, driver named Alfred Beck. He married her, but they got divorced in six months. Troll. Um, right? Shameless <laughs> hussy. Uh, despite the fact that they divorced, Martha kept his last name. Uh, so she was Martha Beck. Did she tell everyone he died, even though he was still, like, right there in town? <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> that would have been awesome. No, he's dead. He was a long-distance bus driver, so it was just like, he was <laughs> there one night, and it was just quick and dirty, like, <laughs> in the shadow of the bus. Just really, <laughs> he really got on up in there and did his deed, landed his seed, and just rode off. <laughs> wow. That's what I would say. Thanks for that visual. You're welcome. <laughs> it's the 40s, man. It's beautiful. Beautiful time. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, by the time she gave birth to her son... Uh, she was unemployed and single with two children. In order to escape her shitty reality, she bought romance novels, magazines, and movies, right? And tried to just fill her head up with this fantasy world. Um, and then she started working at Pensacola Hospital for Children in 1946. So that brings us up to 1947 when she put out the ad. She was putting out before, sounds like. Well... <laughs> Yeah, she decided to try something new. She's like, I'll roll my dice. Here, I'll throw this out into the world. 
There's forget riding the bus. I'm gonna write to the newspaper. Right. I'm only getting them one at a time. Let's see how fast I can whip them in and out. Oh. <laughs> pun not pun not intended. Yikes. Raymond Fernandez. He was born in Hawaii, December 17, 1914, to Spanish parents. But they moved to Connecticut shortly after he was born from Hawaii. So, Spanish parents, Hawaii, then Connecticut. All that to say, he ended up moving to Spain as an adult. He got married and had four children. He served in Spain's Merchant Marine and British Intelligence during World War II. Um, After that, he decided to look for work and boarded a ship to the U.S. and just abandoned his wife and children. Goodness. Yeah. But he got his because while on board, a steel hatch fell on top of his head and fractured his skull. (laughs) Karma. So this caused damage to his frontal lobe, giving him horrible headaches and might have also affected his social and sexual behavior. It also left him bald, so he chose to wear a cheap black toupee to cover it. So, you know, karma. Whatever. Wait, oh, whoa, whoa. He got hit in the head. And that turned him bald? <laughs> hey. <laughs> Sickness and, like, like you hear people who, uh, even pregnancy. Pregnancy changes a body, right? He got hit in the brain, okay? <laughs> like, I mean, I've slammed my foot in the door before, but I still got toes. <laughs> like, the brain is the main thing that creates other things happening in our bodies. So, like, if the brain is fucked up, who knows? Who knows what would happen? Looks like it's weird that it damaged his hair well, growth center. That's... But, I mean, if it crushed his skull, it could have left a big enough scar or something. I don't know there. Who knows? <laughs> I don't care. I just like the fact that he ended up... (laughs) I'm not a doctor! Aaron's like, I didn't write this shit, I'm just reporting it. Uh, I'm just just asking questions. I don't really expect answers half the time, I'm just asking questions. You know I'll always try and answer, and next thing I know I'm talking about someone's grandfather's aunt's dog's puppy, and we don't know how we got there. Like, now. Okay, so... He went bald, right? Bought a toupee. Anyway, he was in the hospital, and when he got out, he tried stealing some clothing and got arrested. And while he was in jail, his cellmate converted him to the belief in voodoo and the occult. (laughs) So brain damage and dark magic. Um, That's a beautiful combination, if you ask me. (laughs) Right? Tell you what. He later claimed black magic gave him irresistible power and charm over women. He thought he could turn them into sex slaves. Oh, gosh. (laughs) So it was this way of thinking that made him go, Huh, I am going to answer lonely ads, right? So he started writing dozens of letters to all of these different women. And he would woo them, gain their trust rob them, and then disappear. The first woman he dated was an older woman in 1946, and he cleaned out her bank account. I don't know her name. 
I really don't even know if I tried to figure that one out, but <laughs> she's not that important in the story. Minor uh, detail. <laughs> minor detail. And so, uh, so he took a second woman, Jane Thompson, to Spain. Mind you, he already has a wife and four children there. He took her to Spain, but she ended up dead in a hotel under mysterious circumstances. Raymond claimed she died of a heart attack, but then told her mother that she died in a train accident. So he was just lying to everybody. Yeah. He then forged Jane's will and inherited her estate. So that's what he was up to until he sent Martha a letter. Martha was supposed to be another victim, but after they exchanged a few letters, they fell in love. He even asked her for a lock of her hair to use in a voodoo ritual. You know, that that would make me fall in love with someone. If he was like, hey, what's your favorite color? Oh, give me some of your hair. (laughs) Yeah, I'd have to think twice about that one. So, Raymond visited Martha in December uh, of 1947 and stayed for a little bit. Martha was convinced that this was the man she was waiting for and told everyone they were getting married. So, she starts prepping for that in Florida and Raymond went back to New York City. And he tried to end the relationship, but then Martha unexpectedly got fired from her job and just showed up on his doorstep with her children. (laughs) (laughs) Despite how annoyed he was, anyone would be annoyed at that, right? Uh, Like, yeah. Okay, bye, Felicia. I'm just, I'm gonna go now. And then she's like, oh, no. Now now it's me and my kids. (laughs) Ha ha. No, that sucks. He's annoyed, but he loves the fact that she just caters to him, right? Does whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. So he agrees to continue the relationship, but only if Martha will abandon her children. What? So she immediately brings them down to the Salvation Army. What? Yeah, just like, okay. Raymond saw it as a sign of unconditional love. I mean, if you think about Martha, right? She was unloved, unwanted, sexually abused, you know, like all of these things. The first guy didn't want her. The second guy divorced her. So by now she's like, yeah, I'll do fucking anything. Whatever. Whatever you want me to do. Um, So her kids were almost like a pawn in the thing. Like, oh, you don't like my kids? Okay, they're gone. Still fucked up, but I can understand. I can kind of maybe wrap my head around her way of thinking and what would have driven her to do that. I think I might be a little bit more gun-shy than that. I mean, I know I've been rejected four or five times and nobody loves me and nobody wants me, but, you know, give up your kids seems like a... I don't know. Well, this was also the 40s. So, it's like... I mean, she's a single woman who can't get jobs easily and has two kids in Florida. What's she gonna do? Well, she could at least hate them. <laughs> Man, we're not talking about Albert Fish or something right now. We're not going that far down the rabbit hole. Not quite yet. No. But I can see how she probably was desperate and she had been filling her head with all of these romance novels and things. I don't know. You never know, really. That's kind of my thing, is she probably just got to a desperate point and had 
an emotional breakdown and was just like, fuck it. Yeah. I can't do enough for my kids anyway. They're going to be better off with someone else watching them. Anyway, he loved that she did this for him because it showed she would do anything, right? <clears throat> so he trusted her. He confessed to her his original intentions for the relationship. And he even told her about his wife and kids in Spain. And she loved him. And she loved the scheme. So much so that she wanted to be a part of it. Raymond continued scamming women, but this time Martha played the part of his sister or sister-in-law, depending on the situation. And having Martha around helped women feel more secure and comfortable staying with them. Sometimes she would even convince the victims that Raymond was her brother and was just staying as a guest and that she lived alone. And as willing as she was to help con these women, she was extremely jealous, which is really like not a surprise, but she was extremely jealous and would go to great lengths just to make sure that Raymond knew he wasn't supposed to have sex with them, right? With this guy being like, you can't have sex with them, it's not gonna stop him. But she was nutso. In 1949, Raymond got engaged to a woman who was 31 years older than him. He was 35, she was 66. Her name was Janet Fay. And her name was rich as shit, right? Is that, I, is that what's going on? Well, he moved, I imagine, like, because that's the whole scheme, right? Like, <laughs> he got engaged to her and moved her into his Long Island apartment. And of course, Martha walked in and found them in bed together, and she went into a jealous rage. She smashed Janet's head with a ball-peen hammer. And unfortunately, this did not kill her. So Raymond strangled her. Yeah, it's not so much the ball, it's the pain. <laughs> oh, damn it. Jesus. <laughs> so yeah, so this is... They, they killed this person. Didn't intend to, right? Well, they intended to, but unexpectedly. I was going to say, you swing a ball-peen hammer at somebody, you're expecting some kind of result. <laughs> right. So, so they hid the body in a trunk, buried it in the cellar of Raymond's real sister's rented house in Queens, and then covered the grave in cement. So his sister's renting this house, they bury a body underneath it. <laughs> like... What? So, uh, after that, they fled, right? They go to Michigan to a suburb right out of um, Grand Rapids and met a young widow named Delphine Downing. And they stayed with her and her two-year-old daughter, Raynell. Oh, boy. Yeah. Raymond, being Raymond, started sleeping with Delphine, which, you know, Martha loved. And obviously, the situation was quickly turning sour, very, you know, very quickly. Late February of 1949, Delphine starts becoming suspicious of the pair and accuses Raymond of fraud. Martha was able to convince her to take sleeping pills to calm down, but the young daughter freaked out when she saw her mom all drugged up, right? <laughs> if a two-year-old sees your mom, like stumbling and slurring and that's scary right yeah no kidding so martha chokes her 
chokes the little girl until she's unconscious. Oh, Jesus. When you think, I mean, there were visible bruises on her neck because she was choking her so hard. And Raymond saw the bruises, freaked out, and shot Delphine to avoid having to deal with her waking up and seeing her daughter with bruises on her. So the kid's still alive, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Shot the mom, and now they just have this freaking two-year-old in this house. Okay? So they stay there for several days, and they're... They're just hanging out and they're trying to decide what to do with the kid. And finally, Martha drowns her in a basin of water after getting pissed off at her for some reason. And they buried the bodies in the basement. And then they went to the movies. Like you do. Yeah. So the neighbors reported the Downing's disappearances. And the police were at the house shortly after Raymond and Martha returned from the movies. So they got picked up. Once arrested, Raymond confessed super quick after he got the authorities to agree that they wouldn't be extradited to New York, which is where they were actually, I mean, they got picked up on suspicion of the Downings, right? Mm -hmm. But by this point, they were already suspects for the first murder, right, Janet Fay. So they were worried about getting extradited to New York because there's the death penalty there. And in Michigan, there was no death penalty. I gotcha. So they got the authorities to agree on that, and they signed a 73-page confession. And they were like, they boasted that they killed as many as 17 women, right? They just, they didn't care because they thought, meh, we'll just get prison time. But they got extradited anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Haha, fuck you guys. Yeah. (laughs) You know, back then when you could do that. Uh, and uh, so Raymond tried to retract his confession immediately, right? He's like, I only did it to protect Martha. They also emphatically denied committing 17 murders. (laughs) Just like, we were kidding. My bad. Psych. (laughs) You know, they're freaking out. And uh, Martha claimed to have no memory of killing Janet Faye and that Raymond just told her to keep Janet quiet. And the next thing she knew, she was standing over Janet's bleeding body. Well, that'll do it. She was trying to plead insanity, basically. Yeah. Um, they were only trialed, or tried for the first murder because it happened in New York. And there was really no point, I guess, they thought maybe to... I don't know if it was like a pick and choose type situation where they just decided which was better. Uh, but they didn't even try them for the other two murders. Probably because they knew, okay, if they get convicted of this, then they'll get the death penalty and it won't matter. I still find it weird that they didn't get charged for all three, but whatever. The trial was sensationalized with stories of sexual deviancy and reporters mocked Martha's appearance to the point that she wrote letters to the editors protesting them. Um, yeah. Uh, They were convicted of first-degree murder on August 22nd, 1949, and sentenced to death by electric chair. Raymond and Martha were executed on March 8th, 1951, at Sing Sing Prison in New York. So, they got to die in the same place. Oh, How romantic. How romantic. So, despite their tumultuous relationship... They professed their love to each other, even to the last word. 
And I have their last word. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> How would you know? <laughs> Just a guess. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> that, that would have been more shocking. Oh! <laughs> Raymond's last words were, I want to shout it out. I love Martha. What do the public know about love? And Martha's last words. My story is a love story, but only those tortured by love can know what I mean. I'm not unfeeling, stupid, or moronic. I am a woman who had a great love and always will have it. Imprisonment in the death house has only strengthened my feeling for Raymond. Huh. Well, doesn't that just bring a tear to you? Uh... Yeah. I'm, I'm a little overclamped over here. Martha found the love she was looking for, and Raymond found a love he didn't expect. But for the other three women, they lost so much more than what they were looking for in the Lonely Heart Killers. So remember that the next time you are about to confirm that random friend request, <laughs> proceed with caution as you step into that meeting place. And always beware of anyone who sends you a dick pic. <laughs> Words to live by. Oh, man. The world is a dark place. <laughs> well, we already knew this. Well, thank the gods we believe in a thing called love. Love will keep us together. Sure. I think you're missing the point of the show. Oh, no, I'm not. And I'll prove it when we come back after this. Movie time after the break with at least 10 things that we hate about this episode's movie. Are you sick of the same old stale podcasts? Well, then join Vanessa and David as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. And then there's the waiting room where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on iTunes, and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter, at VDClinicPod, or email them at VDClinicPod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. And still, they just might be contagious. Get information or a pamphlet at most pharmacies or a health clinic. If you need help, see a doctor. Welcome back to Kiss the Goat. Let's go ahead and listen to the trailer for the third movie you watch in hell. Give me a kiss goodnight. It's the last single girl kiss. The ultimate single gal, Carrie Bradshaw, will be married to John James Preston come fall. Should we get you a diamond? No, just get me a really big closet. After years of living in the city, I assumed that if my friends and I ever got our fairy tale endings, that would be the end of the story. Hello. Welcome home, baby. I always knew she'd marry big. You thought that after the second breakup? Yep. After the 15th? Uh-huh. We broke up a lot. But real life? 200 people? But don't you want... I want you. That's what I want. Always has a twist. 
We've got a problem. I got the call today. I didn't wanna hear. I can't believe I was running around New York thinking I'm finally getting my happy ending. And let the wedding get bigger than big. Have you ever been a personal assistant? No. Why'd you move to New York? To fall in love. It didn't mean anything. It just happened once. But my will gets weak. I'm pregnant. Oh my god. You know me. I don't really believe in marriage. Now, Botox, on the other hand, that works every time. dressing up. The only two choices for women, witch and sexy kitten. Oh, you just said a mouthful there, sister. Jeez, honey, wax much? When you're married, you have a different set of priorities. This one's married and she's not growing a national forest. <laughs> Life doesn't always turn out to be your fantasy. That's why you need friendships that are real to get you through it all. And Cinderella and the prince lived happily ever after. You know, things don't always happen like this in real life. I just think you should know that now. Sex and the city. Not sex in the city or even sex on the city. Those would have been far more entertaining. This movie is based on an old HBO series. It's the story of four 40-something women and their sexual escapades in the Big Apple. See, I think they're all witches. Just really, <laughs> really bad ones. Like, this is really the story of the worst coven in the world. I think it's just about a bunch of dumb twats who can't pull their heads out of their asses. These women are way too insipid to be witches. Well... Not all witches are bitches, but sometimes. Well, whatever they are, let's tear them apart. Hey, <laughs> Sex in the City, it's time for at least ten things I hate about you. Hey, you, you want to see something really scary? You bet. Really? Yeah. Okay, this is, this is really, really scary now. Now, this is what another movie I've got a grudge against, having been dragged against my will and shamed into seeing this wretched movie by another ex who did not always appreciate my taste in film. <laughs> uh, if memory serves, and it may not because, you know, I drank like some bitch, but this may have been payback for making her see both The Descent and The Strangers within the space of a week. What is wrong with her? Well, Strangers was good, but wasn't that great. The Descent, however, that's that's some good shit. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. How do you get mad at somebody taking you to see The Descent? Well, it was probably more The Strangers and The Descent, and I can sort of understand that. <laughs> well, people must have really wanted to know what else happened to these twats, because Sex in the City raked in over $412 million at the box office. Unconfirmed reports claim that half of that money came from men on dates who thought that they taking their significant others to this movie would get them a blowjob. Yeah, that did not work for me. <laughs> so sad. Mm. Why was this movie so popular? It is a modern-day mystery acolytes, and X and I decided to investigate. <laughs> 
So who wants to go first? Do you want first blood on this one? I hated this movie from the get-go. The first thing that I hate about this movie is that it opens with a goddamn Fergie song and a voiceover <laughs> from Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> also, the the opening credits are pink and sparkly, like they're sequined. Girls oh, God. love sparkles, and they love shopping. OMG! That's what this entire opening sequence is. Them just running around and laughing and spending copious amounts of money in New York and whatever. I hate him, Jacques. I hate him. And she has to do a complete fucking backstory on the characters in the opening credits. Yeah, every goddamn thing that happened on the fucking series. In case you missed it, here it is. We got fucking ten minutes for these credits to explain everything and everyone. Ugh. And I don't even know why that was fucking necessary. Because the story in and of itself is so fucking shallow that, I mean, seriously, a first grader could have followed the storyline. No problem. So you've got Carrie and Samantha. and Sh uh, I didn't even bother remembering their <laughs> names. I just called them Shallow 1, Shallow 2, Shallow 3, and Shallow 4. Okay, that's fine. Anyway, you got these four friends. They've been friends forever. It's just kind of like the craft for people who read Charisma magazine. Is that what it was? That's how I looked at it. I just can't figure out who identifies with these women. Who holds these people high as, like, role models? These are horrible, shallow, pedantic women with their heads so far up their closets they can't see their own hangers. Yeah. So, how many times... Do we, do we even count, or do you have a guesstimate of how many times in this movie I cocked my head to one side and squinted at the television screen and said, The fuck is she wearing? <laughs> because... I lost count at six. Sarah Jessica Parker, I'm sorry, she's not attractive at all, but they try really hard to make her attractive in this movie, and she wears some of the most bizarre shit that you can imagine. Not to mention, if 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 you, they keep showing her arms in close up, but not like her entire arm, just like sections of her arms, and it's like looking at the fucking aqueducts on Mars. <laughs> I don't know, but she looks kind of haggard in this film, and this was like. What year was this again? I'm trying to remember. I think we mentioned it. 2007, 2008. So. <laughs> okay, so the main storyline in the movie is that Carrie is finally getting married to her, whatever the fuck he is, her boyfriend of 10 years. Mr. Big is what they call him. And they kept calling him that for so long. I was like, the fuck, is his name really Big? Seriously? And then it was like, oh, no, it's not. It's fucking John. Okay. No, it's JJ. It's J it's JJ. It's fucking JJ. But now nah, we're gonna call him Big, Mister Big, because that sounds sort of sort of nasty. No. This whole storyline about Carrie finally marrying Mister Big—it's like a Cinderella story, except Cinderella's a twat. <laughs> she keeps name dropping like fashion designers. Like I don't know who the fuck any of these people are. I don't know what a I don't know what a Vera Wang is. It sounds like somebody's sick. <laughs> I mean, how about J.C. Penny? I know her. <laughs> Jesus. 
Well, they're all fucking horrible women. There's, it, it just, oh God. So you get these, <laughs> you get these glimpses into each of their lives and the problems that they're dealing with, right? And one of the, of course, we're we're following <coughs> fucking shallow number one, Sarah Sarah Jessica Parker. She's like the main one who's like narrating this tale because she's a writer. She's a professional writer. Just shoot me in the face, really. But the first one we kind of get a glimpse into is the horrible fucking redhead, shallow number three. Miserable woman. And there's the scene where she and her husband are having sex and he wants her to change positions. And she's just like, let's just get it over with. That's not a happy woman. Let's get it. Oh, really? Let's get it over with. Most people I know are saying, you know, the opposite. Yeah. So I, uh, she's she's horrible, and obviously that doesn't go over very well with her husband. And well, there's a big difference between are you done and are you done yet. There is. There's a huge difference. So honestly, I mean, I've always wondered, you know, how women actually talk to each other about men. But if it's anything like the women in this movie, fuck it, y'all can keep that. I don't want to know. <laughs> Fuck all y'all. I want to jump back real quick, though, because I want to talk about uh, Carrie and Big's relationship. Because while they're in bed together, Carrie starts reading this book, Love Letters of Great Men, Volume 1. In bed, to too Big. Like, here, look at all these great love letters that people have written to, to, to their women. Now, I'm a reasonably romantic person, but I think that it pissed me the fuck off. Seriously, and she's like, why haven't you ever written me a love letter? Well, thanks for comparing me to dead guys, for one. Mm-hmm. But also, if I'm going like, to read you anything in bed, it's either going to be something I've written, or it's going to be Penthouse forum letters. <laughs> or post secret. Dear Penthouse. <laughs> right, or post, yeah, something like that, but you know, I never thought it would happen to me until I wound up in bed with a paraplegic wearing a monkey mask. You know, just something weird like that. That's entertaining. Well, that happens. Anyway, yes, Miranda um, does not want to have sex with her husband. Carrie apparently does want to have sex with her boyfriend, but she wants to read him love letters first. And then there's Samantha. Now, Samantha's the big... She's a horn dog, And she... Oh, is that shallow number four, the blonde that lives in Hollywood? Yes, yes. She's a horn dog and she's a voyeur, and these are normally things I like in a woman. But Samantha irritates the shit out of me. It's because she's smarmy. Is that why? Is because she's only part of the MILF acronym? I just something about her just does not work for me, and 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 I hate her. Yeah, I hate her too. She's, I. It, I yeah, she's horrible. Like, I'm running out of words. It's just, oh my god, these women are terrible. It's a, look, it's okay to repeat. I think we're going to have to at some point. Yeah, so. that's true. So, she's with, she's shacked up with some dude that's like, what, probably a good 15, 20 years her junior out in Hollywood. Yeah, about that, yeah. Yeah, and he works a lot, and she's going through this thing where she's like trying to 
I don't know, like she realizes there's something missing in their relationships. So she starts going just out of her way to try to do shit for him. And he's like, honey, what's going on? I work, I come home. What do you want from me? And it's just, it's obviously going very poorly. Like there's a scene where she fucking makes sushi, like handmade. Oh God, sushi. don't get, no, that's, that's way later. Don't get into that yet. Alright, fine. We gotta we gotta wait on that because I have some issues with that. Yeah, I got issues with that too. So where are we then? Are we at where We're um, at the goddamn fucking eighties montage. Yeah, that's I started to say where Big and Horseface Shallow Number One have decided to get married in like this completely unromantic like, Well yeah, sure, we can do that sort of way. So she is moving out. Do you of her. want to get married? Yeah. How would if I guess if you want to get married, then I guess I can put it on the table as an option. Really, fucker? I mean... So she's moving out of her apartment, which apparently she's lived in for 20 years. An apartment for 20 years! It's New York, man. People do that shit. I guess. I guess housing really is hard to come by in New York. So we have to watch a fucking fashion show... Three of these shallow twats are sitting on the bed drinking champagne and giggling their asses off while shallow number one puts on a fucking fashion show for them and lets them decide what clothing that she keeps and what she tosses. And it's set now, to walk this way. Yeah, I was going to say, let's let's put that fine point on it. This is an 80s montage with Sarah Jessica Parker wearing even uglier fucking clothes while Run DMC plays and they drink champagne. And this is one of the most painful montages I've seen since Sleeping with the Enemy, where it was just all fucking hats. Fuck, are they 12? And then when Samantha shows up and knocks on the door and they answer the door, they all jump up and down and clap. Now, I don't care who it is. I've never clapped when someone came to the door. I'm just glad you're not a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> so Miranda's husband he's he's I'm trying to think of, he's he reminded me of someone throughout the entire movie and I can't I can never figure out who it was and which one's Miranda very, again is that the fucking redhead Miranda's the horrible redhead that you don't like okay so shouldn't shallow number three right okay so after that whole can we just get this over with or whatever the hell she said um, he cheats on her. Yep. And, and you know what? I guess if someone said to me, let's just get it over with, to me, during sex, I probably would do something similar. Mm-hmm. In fact, that has been said to me. Oh. Does, and, I, and I probably did something similar, maybe. Now, but does that make me a shitty person? Does it? I mean, it's one thing to turn it down completely. That's... But, you know, you do that at the beginning. That's the right time to do it. You don't do that in the middle of things. That's like turning Raiders of the Lost Ark off before Dr. Toad's face melts. Yeah, you don't do that. No. <sighs> anyway, highly irritated by all of that. Doesn't seem realistic, but I don't know. Yeah, well, so he, her husband tells her what happened. Like, just... Man's up, just sucks it up and goes to her and says, you know what? I did this. It was a horrible mistake. I can't believe I did this to you. I'm so sorry. And she does not take it well. And she says, she says to him, you broke us. I changed who I was for you. 
And I said, uh, that was your first mistake, you twat. <laughs> right, dumbass. I changed who I was for you. Well, no wonder you're not happy. Who asked you to do that? Right. Who asked you to do that? Ugh. So, Carrie's planning her wedding, and the guest list has jumped from like 75 to 200, and she wants a big wedding at the New York Public Library, for Christ's sake. And Mr. Big says, this is my third marriage. How do you think that makes me look? <laughs> well, suck it up, buttercup. You know, maybe you shouldn't have bought the boarding pass if you didn't want to take the train. It makes you look like you're getting married the third time. So fucking what? Yeah. But still, I mean, on the same accord, she's just fucking running just ape shit crazy with this whole thing and isn't talking to him about it at all. Nothing about what he wants. It's just all me, 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 me. Do you think he's surprised by that? He's been with the bitch for 10 years. Well, maybe not. I mean, fuck. I think I'd have seen that shit coming. And I'd have been like, good. Just fucking handle it. All right? You handle it because I'm going to go to work and I'm going to come home and drink. <laughs> you just tell me where I need to be and when I need to be there and I'll be fucking fine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, and that ends up going very poorly. Because at this point in the well, movie, am I getting too far ahead again? No, 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 no. No, as long as you're heading into the fucking rehearsal dinner. No, I wasn't. Go ahead. Okay, well, at the rehearsal dinner, um, Miranda's estranged husband shows up, wants to talk to her, and she's all, No! No, you you broke the pussy promise. So she's all mad, and she talks to Big and just says, "Marriage ruins everything. Y'all are crazy for getting married." And this kind of puts Mr. Big at a, a, a bit of unease. Well, you know what I mean. I'm kind of sympathetic to his cause in this movie, which pisses me off that there is a single sympathetic character. I don't like this character at all, but this situation, like you and I both, when we got married, this was both our, both of us, both of ours, however you say that, third marriage. Right. And I had a little bit of a freak out when we went to get our marriage license. It was a little bit scary. That's true. That's true. I get that. But. We did it. We did do it, but I didn't have some twat that had been friends with you for, you know, fucking 25 years telling me that this was a bad idea and we were crazy if we do it. And, well. Oh, we had some people tell us we were crazy if we did it. Yeah, but those people were stupid and don't count. Yeah, I know. I just think the marriage ruins everything line is a bit extreme. I mean, like, you know, e even soup. <laughs> Cause you, cause you make really good soup. So I don't think marriage ruins everything, but I will say this: I've seen episodes of the Sweet Life of Zack and Cody that are more mature than this movie, except for the brief moments of you know blinking. Right on. Okay, so here's the fucking. Uh, uh, sorry, sorry. I was trying not to trying not to puke while I'm talking about this. Here, here's the crux of the movie. Big's freaking out, doesn't need, and he's like, I just need to know that we're okay. I just need to know that after all this folder all's over, that it's just going to be you and me, and we're going to be okay. So he freaks out, calls Carrie on the phone. Well, 
Charlotte, who we haven't even talked about yet because she's such a goddamn non-entity, her three-year-old daughter picks up the phone, hangs up, and then hides it, hides Carrie's phone. So Carrie has no idea that Big is called. Big's wigging. He keeps calling and calling because he's getting cold feet. So since Big can't get in touch with her, he freaks out and bails on the wedding. So this is the big event of the movie. Carrie gets stood up at the altar. Now my question is this. Doesn't Big have any of her friends' phone numbers in his phone? <laughs> you would think. These are people that he has known for 10 years. All of her friends... All of her friends are in the bridal party. Why didn't he just call one of them? He knows where they are. He watched them walk into the fucking <laughs> library. It's, like, it's not like he's going to be like, oh, I, I guess one of them's a Kmart. No, they're all with fucking Carrie. Call them. And so by the, and by the time she calls... By the time she calls him, like, hey, where are you at? It's too late. Now, this is not Carrie's fault. This is Big's fault for being a horrible person with no common sense. Call someone else, dumbass. Jesus. I would have. Yeah, I got Aaron's number in my phone. Yeah, you do. But let's get this straight. It was not too late. He was in a fucking limo sitting at the curb in front of the library when they finally got in touch with him. And he tells her... He was having a hard time and that he needed to talk to her. She's the one who freaks out, right? She goes running down and he's told the driver, okay, let's leave. And they start to leave. The ceremony hasn't started. There's still time. And he gets like a block down the road and realizes, oh, fuck, this is wrong. I need to go back. So he gets the driver to turn around, drive back up a one-way street and meets her limo leaving They both stop in the middle of the street. They both get out of the car. And instead of being like, it's okay, it's just you and me, I love you. She beats the shit out of him with her bridal bouquet and then jumps in her limo and leaves with her friends. Like, there is no emotional maturity to be found in this movie. There is none. There is no compassion. It's all self-centeredness. And it's ridiculous around every turn. There's a lot wrong here. (laughs) Including, but not limited to. How much do you really love each other if you cancel a wedding that the other person is on their way back to? They have dated for 10 years. She should know him, right? But no, she just goes back home when she's sitting there getting drunk saying she's still jilted. She's not jilted. The other person has to jilt. There's no jilting. She's assuming jiltedness when there was no jilt. This is jilt-free. She jilted. Well, then she jilted herself, didn't she? That's a whole different movie. Right? (laughs) So, yeah. Up until, honestly, up until this point, I was thinking that Shadow Number 1 was the least horrible of all of them. And then this happened, and I was like, you know what? No, fuck you. You were probably the worst of all of them because of that bullshit. Fuck you. So now we get to follow them to Mexico because she's booked to this honeymoon in Mexico, right? And her girlfriends are all like, oh, yay, we're all going to Mexico. This will cheer her, cheer her up. And Really? Is that going to cheer her up? Take her on her honeymoon without her, her husband slash... Mexico! I kept thinking that the whole goddamn time. (laughs) 
Carrie's just laying in bed in Mexico, and she looks like David Emge in Dawn of the Dead, right before he comes, like, before he dies, like, on a civil defense box of MREs, and then comes yeah, back as a yeah. zombie. S- sleeps for a day and a half, maybe two days straight. So, hey, good friends, Carrie's good friends, y'all know what? Your friend needs professional fucking help. Call someone. She's been in bed for two days. I don't give a fuck if you're in Mexico. Your friend is suicidal. Know the signs. But she finally comes out of it after Samantha feeds her something what? I don't know. You you said it was yogurt? I said it was cocaine? I don't know. I hope it was cocaine. I I was the stuff. (laughs) Yeah, so then they're all buddy-buddy and hanging out on the fucking patio in their swimsuits. Right. And now I think we get to maybe the worst segment of the film because, you know, everybody talks about how women are catty and blah, blah, blah. Well, this this really kind of expands upon that and magnifies that. And I'm not even sure how realistic it is. But they're all up by the pool. And Miranda, the horrible redhead, her pubes are sticking out of her bathing suit. Natural redhead. Yep. Yep, natural redhead. I mean, something you should just be fucking... In awe of, you should, like, bow down and thank the gods to see that shit. But no, she gets absolutely ridiculed to the point where she decides she's going to get up and leave. That's because Samantha equates that to why her husband cheated on her. Well, you know what? That's fucking bullshit. Get a new husband. You know, you, you know what? You know, body hair. It's, it's, it exists. Now, I don't know who the hell told women that they had to be bears a goddamn Barbie doll, but that's a shitty bill of sale. I mean, I, I like what I like. Cootie likes what she likes as far as that you know, division of hairstyling. But guess what? She gets to pick what she does with her body hair, just like she gets to pick what she does with her head hair. I mean, shit. If you want the treasure badly enough, you will venture into the bush. And I pick not shaving, and I have for several years. Yep. Choice is a beautiful thing. And here's the other, and, and here's the next, and this just follows right after the damn, uh, you know, body hair segment. Charlotte, who's just, just she's a fucking dance. She's always looking up like she's trying to remember something and always kind of stumbling over her words and tee-hee in her way. Shallow number two. Yeah, she's racist as fuck against Mexicans. Did you pick up on that? Yep. Jesus. She just, like, cringed every time a Mexican came near her while they were down there. It's like, God, woman. Charlotte accidentally drinks some of the water. The Mexican water. While she's in the shower, some of it gets in her mouth. So, I don't know, I guess she's on her way back from doing Pilates or whatever, and her stomach starts gurgling, and when she gets in front of the girls, and the door's locked because the maid is cleaning or something, so she can't get in, and she shits her pants in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. First, first of all, shit in your pants is not funny. Second of all, if you have a friend who has just shit their pants through no fault of their own, help them. I know it's gross, but for fuck's sake, they just shit their pants. Help them do something. I don't under And they didn't. I don't understand how these people are friends. I'm not even sure if they really are friends. I don't get it. I mean, once again, you know, what? Jokes about Mexican water and people shitting themselves? Remember, I, I made my point about Zach and Cody, and I am proven correct right here. <laughs> you are. I mean, geez, her friend is sick. She's trying desperately to get to a restroom, and all you can do is sit there and laugh your ass off at her. 
Horrible people. Horrible friends. Jesus Christ. I saw your body betrayed you. Teehee. And that was Shallow Number One's, like, breaking point. Like, she actually laughed out loud. And then she was like, oh, there is life after being left at the altar. That was it. Because she could laugh. You know what makes me feel better? Other people's pain. Oh, I'm so glad to be back in the land of the living. Fuck you. Cunt. So Carrie throws her phone in the ocean, and this is the phone with all the voicemails where Big called her before the wedding. So everything needed to repair the relationship, right there in that phone. And she's still all feisty and petty, so she just hurls her phone into the sea. I swear to God, these characters do the dumbest fucking things imaginable. Mm-hmm. These girls wouldn't last three minutes in a fucking horror movie. I'd buy that for a dollar. Yeah, you and me both. And Carrie, when she gets back to New York, she hires an assistant. Louise. Louise from St. Louis. Yeah, this. I want to know what fucking books she's writing that gives her the kind of money that she can, A, have all of these fucking clothes in this apartment in New York City, and B, hire a fucking personal assistant. Like, really? Why does she need an assistant to move back into her own apartment? This woman spends half the movie like putting away boxes, and the other half just typing on, uh, uh, not even really taking dictation. Or any, I don't even know what the fuck she's doing. She's working on her website. I guess. Fuck that. Anyway, Miranda moves away from her mewling husband and decorates her apartment with like iron fists and chastity belts and inflatable butt plugs. <laughs> not really, but maybe. Charlotte gets pregnant. She's married, so that makes sense, but she's... She acts like she doesn't know how it happened. <laughs> now, this is a character flaw. How do you not know how you got pregnant? They have a foster child from China, and she comes up with some kind of rambling bullshit about, you know how people say that if you can't get pregnant, but you stop trying to get pregnant, then you get pregnant? So I guess that's what happened. <laughs> I fucking hate you so much right now. Oh. It's just, it's just... No, you know what happened? You fucked him. Yep. That's how people get... Pre- that's that's how people grow up. Ah! And Shallow number one decides she's going to take charge of her life, so she goes from being blonde to a brunette. And she actually looks better as a brunette. Well, she looks more like Black Beauty as a brunette. <laughs> Gary blocks all of Big's emails, puts them all, has Louise put them all into a separate folder. Now, I don't even know how long it's been, but damn. I mean... Her refusal to offer or obtain closure just makes her like a robot. Yeah. Meanwhile, off in California, Samantha buys a dog to prevent herself from fucking her next door neighbor. Gets the dog, spends a fuck ton of money on just all this fucking brand name Gucci shit, and starts eating. This is like having a baby to save your marriage. It doesn't work. No, every character in this fucking movie talks about love and what it means to be in love, but all of them don't want anything to do with love. They're all mad that they aren't dating around. They all want love, but they don't seem to understand the first thing about it. Well, except Louise, the personal assistant. She's like the only character with any redeemable qualities in this movie at all. So here's my next question. Do women really scream over purses, like designer purses? Is is there screaming? I don't know. I am not one who does that, and my friends have never really. I've never really hung out with people like that. Sure, I mean it probably happens, but I don't know. Because it happens a lot 
in this they movie. Do. Yeah. Also, also, I and this is we're kind of like a almost like the halfway point of this movie because this movie's two and a half goddamn hours long. Why? Why is it this long? Is the moral of this movie that women are no good without a man? Or is the moral that vibrators are the gift that keep on giving and every single person in this movie needs one, including Big? I wish that was the moral of this movie because I could get behind that. Also, I just want to state there's a lot of... We talked about the fashion designers and shit that keep getting named after in this movie. The only time I have given a shit about fashion is when I watch Zoolander. That's it. <laughs> That's legit. Now let's talk about the sushi scene. You brought this up earlier, so I'm gonna let you. I'm let you have that. Oh yeah, I forgot about this. This is when Shallow Number Four is like bored, and she's there's this fucking neighbor that's some young stud, and she keeps catching glimpses of him, and she's really hot and heavy for him, so she's like running away from that, and she's trying to find ways to like bring some spark back into her relationship with her live-in boyfriend. So it's Valentine's Day, and she's like, "I'm gonna make homemade sushi." And I am going to lay out on our table and put the sushi on my body. So I'm going to be like this human sushi smorgasbord for my boyfriend. (laughs) So she does this. And I guess this guy is a musician or something. Is that right? He's an actor. He's an actor. He's a a TV actor. He's like a doctor on some Grey's Anatomy-like bullshit show. Right, right. Okay, so given that actor, musician, whatever, he's got an unpredictable schedule and she's been with him for a long time and she should know that he does not have a predictable schedule. So she plans out this romantic thing with raw fish that, you know, is kind of time sensitive and she lays out on the table all naked with the sushi on her when she expects him to be home. And he ends up not getting home until like what two hours later, and something like that. She's pissed off at him, like angry, having an argument with him over this, and he's like, "The fuck, what?" <laughs> like he has no defense for this. It's just this is this is my work. You know, this is my work. You know, this is what I do. I'm sorry about this thing, but. And it's just one more thing that just shows what just a ridiculous self-centered person she is. Covering yourself at homemade sushi is not the way to add kick to your relationship. First of all, you don't know where that wasabi is going to end <laughs> up. Secondly, body temperature sushi just sounds like a breeding ground for parasites. Mm-hmm. And thirdly, maybe you don't put raw fish anywhere near your vulva. I mean, that just seems like common sense to me. Believe it or not, I've seen this done at a club before. People eating sushi off of a stranger's naked body. Did you do it? No. (laughs) Okay. That's a legitimate question, but I'm happy with the answer. No. Wouldn't. Don't. No. Won't do that. Okay. Mm -mm. Good. Call me a prude. Won't do that. Mm -mm. No. I'll call you alive because the people who fucking... (laughs) Ate the sushi off whoever that was. I don't know. Is it trichinosis? What do you get from fish? I don't know. Pseudopods? Yes. Cephalopods. (laughs) Fucking cephalopods. Man, every time a character in this movie has an epiphany about themselves, it's something the audience has already known since before the movie began. And after a while... Just from the opening fucking voiceover, yeah. Right. I mean, and after a while, you just stop watching this movie because you're mired in it. You're stuck. It's like, 
if you're in quicksand, you don't stop and admire the fucking quicksand. You just look for a way out. Uh-huh. So we finally get into the third act. I mean, finally, because God damn. Miranda and Steve work their shit out, but honestly, who cares? The cheater got back with the neglectful wife. Do they automatically leave their old patterns and become new people? Are they going to change their names, get their driver's licenses switched over? No, it's fucking dumb. Now, here's the fucking trifecta. <laughs> we've, we've, had, we've, we've, we've had pubic hair shaming. We've had sickness shaming, and now we have fat shaming. Oh, yeah, this is beautiful. Shallow number four comes ringing the doorbell, and everybody's there, and they open the door, and everyone is just fucking shocked because she's gained 15 pounds. Fuck you. I lose 15 pounds by taking a decent shit. Are you kidding me? Well, she's pudging over her waistline just a little bit. She's got like what I would consider a normal, like healthy person belly on top of her waistband. And everybody is just like, just fucking knock me over with a feather shocked at how much weight she's gained. And she says, I eat so I won't cheat. And she's barely got a pooch. I mean, I can't fucking bear it. For women, for women who are supposed to be independent, fun-loving, free-thinking people, they are as trapped by the societal mores of America as the stereotypical Marlboro chain-smoking Baptist woman in a trailer in Alabama. They are no fucking different. Also, why would you pay 300 bucks for a pillow? Thank you. That's also in my notes. The goddamn dog starts humping a pillow and shallow number one is like, uh, that pillow is $300. Again, fuck you. Charlotte, ditzy shitty girl, just happens to go into labor in a restaurant right in front of Big. Really? And Big drives her to the hospital. Again, really? Because apparently fucking Aristophanes wrote this, and we need a big, gigantic deus ex machina here in the Act 3. And again, let me remind you, why is this movie fucking two and a half hours long? Why in the name of David Lean is this movie so fucking long? Good God! <laughs> so now we start getting our revelations about Big and Carrie's relationship because Carrie tells some, I don't know the fuck, I guess Miranda that Big never wrote to her. But she obviously knows he did because she told her assistant to put his emails into a separate file. He was obviously writing. Stop trying to make yourself look like the good person here. Mm -hmm. So then she gets into her computer and she hacks into it. And Big has been sending her email after email. But it's all of those love letters from great men that Carrie was reading at the beginning of the movie. And when he finally writes a letter of his own, it's something like, uh, I fucked up. I will always love you. I know I fucked up. Bleh. Bleh. Men can't express emotion. Bleh. So that just sets us up for the fucking unavoidable where they both meet in their apartment that they bought together. The well, he bought it. Yeah, her fucking dream apartment, which we, we kind of skipped this part, and that's okay, because it's not that important. But I have this really random thought about this, because instead of, when they bought this apartment, 
and decided to get married. Instead of buying her a ring, a diamond engagement ring, um, he built her a closet for all of her fucking clothes and her shoes because... I hope it was cedar. <laughs> no one makes a closet out of oak. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so he builds her this closet and as she's standing in front of the thing... I just thought, Jesus Christ, that looks like a dairy cooler at Food City. Yes! Because it's all it this totally does. fluorescent lighting and doors and shelves. And I was like, God damn. But anyway. Yeah, so they meet there because she left a pair of shoes. And he wanted to get the shoes because he didn't want her to lose them. And then they end up... Because she'd never worn them. Yeah, they were never worn $400 pair of shoes. Again, fuck you. Uh, um, so they kiss and they're back together and I'm not sure I understand what's going on because this is not how my goddamn life works but he proposes will you marry me well I don't know you son of a bitch will you put my friend's numbers in your goddamn cell phone <laughs> and they get married at city hall and it's a low-key affair, just like he wanted. And they have dinner at apparently fucking Denny's, which is what they should have done in the first place. And then Carrie's, like, doing a book reading. And she she spouts off, I guess, what's supposed to be what you're supposed to learn from this movie. And she says, why is it that we're willing to write our own vows, but not our own rules? Oh, get fucked. Get fucked. That's your final analysis? That's your result? Because you haven't followed your own rules for this entire fucking movie. Like I said, you are just as bad in the convention as anyone else, if not more. You just have more prominent cheekbones. Yeah, so we get a we get that whole final voiceover. And I think that 75% of that closing monologue is carved in wood and sitting in random places in my sister's $300,000 house. <laughs> Yes, I think they started Pinterest just from that speech at the end. I, th I think they did, yeah. So anyway, in case you were curious, this is a shallow, hypocritical, piece-of-shit movie. <laughs> I mean, talk about unrealistic expectations. Absolutely fucking ridiculous. All of it because one guy doesn't know how to get hold of his fiance's best friends. I mean, Jesus, I freak out about dumb shit in the middle of the day. I can't find, like, my pants or something. I, I don't know why. I don't. <laughs> know where my pants are, but if Hannah's on the phone and can't talk me down off the pants ledge, I know I can get in touch with about eight different people who will get in touch with her for me, and she will call me back. So, I don't understand that. I don't understand why, ha why Harry, Miranda's husband, gets reviled in the movie for cheating on his terrible wife, but we're supposed to be delighted that Samantha ended her five-year-long relationship so she can go sleep around again. And I don't understand why Big spent so much time pining for Carrie and writing her shitty emails filled with other people's words instead of going to her apartment. He probably still had a fucking key. <laughs> You're right. I'm done. Fuck. I just feel like I just feel like I got smacked in the face with like just complete just stupidity, just the embodiment of dump. You know how people say you got hit by the ugly stick? Mm-hmm. Well, I got hit by the fucking dumb two by four. That sounds about right. Uh, I will never understand the appeal of this movie or the series or these fucking characters. 
or the people who watch these characters in the series or in the movie. Why are you trying? What kind of wish fulfillment is this? Jesus, I don't know. I need to... What kind of goddamn grown-up dildo Disney <laughs> shit do you believe in? I needed to drink all the way through it. I don't have any answers. <laughs> so if you're going to buy me a drink after this, it better be something really fucking strong. Now what we should do tomorrow? Keep drinking. Have a bloody merry first thing. I'll bite the king's head, couple of the little princess, stagger back in. <laughs> back at the bar for shots. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Do not buy me a fucking cosmopolitan. <laughs> I thought you liked them. <laughs> not anymore. You can get your buzz on and cure a UTI at the same time. <laughs> well, be that as it may be, uh, that movie I think has ruined it for me. No, you know what you get for this? You get a Harvey Wallbanger. A Harvey Wallbanger. Yeah, man. I like the name. I have no idea what's in it. If I'm right about this, a Harvey Wallbanger is just a shot of rock-cut whiskey followed by a ch- followed by a chaser of cheap fucking domestic beer. So just like dickle and a shot of peep and then PBR. So back you're to trying back. to trying to kill me after a show. No, I'm trying to I'm trying to ground you. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to make sure that you under you know know who you are <laughs> and don't have any fucking uh, <laughs> you know uh, false ideas about yourself. Here is who you are, Cootie. You come from a long line of cheap ass beer and rock gut whiskey. Well, that's not what I'm saying, but you don't. Pay $300 for a pillow that a dog humps. <laughs> no, fuck that noise. Give me the rock gut whiskey. That's, that's why we got ankles. <laughs> uh, I don't even what I don't even know what kind of drink you'd buy me after this. It'd have to be fucking ether. <laughs> ether with a side of opium. Right. I mean, just fuck kill me quick. Because fuck. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done after this. Huh? Huh? <laughs> God, it did make us dumb. I could feel my temporal lobes just draining out my nose. Um, I'm not really sure what we're going to do for dinner because I'm still a little bit nauseous after that fucking movie. No sushi. No cosmetologists. Uh-huh. See what you've done to me? Oh, that's not my No cosmopolitans. No fucking sushi. You sure? You don't want a stank cooch roll and some pot stickers? (laughs) Jesus, that's gross. (laughs) i've got a better idea let's check in with chef al see what he's whipped up for sex in the city it is time for a nice romantic dinner for two this meal looks quite delightful betty oh it's just something i threw together that's all well shall we dig in Everyone's so hungry. So what have you um, thrown together for this particular film, Chef Allen? <laughs> Fuck, don't say sushi. I went into this with the film slash preceding it. 
Um, so I figured, and, and this is a chefy thing to do nowadays, but anyway, I thought I should do a cocktail. <laughs> and I, I don't think that was a bad choice, aside from the taste testing it as we were going watching the film, um, <laughs> which may or may not have helped. I'm not sure. At least you picked something with the word cock in it, so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, the, the mistake that I made was I honestly remembered uh, Sex in the City giving birth to the Apple Teeny, but apparently it was the Cran Teeny. It was the Cosmopolitan. Yeah, you, you know, kind of a terrible bastardizer in the Cosmopolitan, like with like more like sweetened grapefruit rather than like playing off the bitterness of grapefruit. But anyway, I, I was thinking apple and it's october and i just got to be playing with a centrifuge that um that i had purchased quite some time ago and this is the first time i've had a chance to play with it today so all of these things came together and i wanted to do some kind of a martini i also wanted to do something october halloweenish that didn't involve pumpkin spice <laughs> so i came up with the candy apple teeny Mm. And, uh, yeah, and that turned out pretty well. Um, I believe we sent a picture on <laughs> of, of the messes having imbibed in a few of them, flipping everyone off. Uh, <laughs> so. That's the first time I've seen her. She makes a nice first impression just flipping everybody off like that. That's... I, I know. I, I wish you would do that with the uh, Canadian Department of Indian Affairs. I think that's kind of what... Uh, what well, she was wanting to present to them, but can't really let herself do so. Well, uh, well all, yeah. ki- all, all kidding aside, she's a keeper. So. Oh yeah, no guff, no guff. Um, oh, we're we're going on to sixteen years now, so you know. Oh, so that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I haven't screwed up that badly yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what I wanted to do this, I wanted to uh, get some of those like candy apple kind of a flavors. And so I, I got this device that is, um, it's a culinary centric centrifuge. So it's, uh, it's not repurposed medical gear or anything like that. It's, it's designed to uh, spin food at an extremely high RPM. Uh, to the point where it kind of defies gravity and blows liquids and solids apart from each other so you can kind of clarify stuff that you wouldn't be able to otherwise. Um, mm. And it's a lot of fun. That's how I spent the day. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> and then pouring it into this thing that spins really fast. So uh, what I came up with with this is uh, instead of doing uh, the traditional like cocktail uh, base of uh, a simple syrup, I actually made a caramel with uh, with brown sugar and kind of thinned it out a little bit with um, uh, with a little bit of an infusion of uh, pink peppercorns, which are not actually peppercorns. They're uh, like a seed of a type of rose. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. So they, yeah, they have uh, like if you talk to French people, they'll call them, uh, pink berries because technically they're berries, not peppercorns, but. Interesting. Okay. Uh, uh, I, I like the flavor of them a lot. They're pink, so I guess they kind of go, <laughs> go, go with the, the city idea of feminism. Uh, well, today it just goes with the fashion. Mm, I guess. Uh, uh, I'm still trying to get a like, <laughs> Cinderella Mulan thing. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, anyway. Um, there's, so, there's so many things. I can't believe both of you dismissed my Aerosmith reference. I'm so sad. I'm sorry. I'm not listening to hair metal anymore. 
It's gonna take me days to get back. Although, <laughs> well, well, Steve Tyler could have played the lead. Oh my God! At least, at least stunt double. Yeah. <laughs> Just have him like running down the steps of the New York Public Library. <laughs> Doesn't, doesn't Sarah Jessica Parker look like she's just got, like, a tape on? Oh. And it's just fucking... <laughs> just fucking eating her from the inside and not in a good way. Oh, it's, it's like she's adopted a tapeworm. <laughs> Stockholm Syndrome with it. Oh, boy. <laughs> Maybe Mr. Big is just her, like, representation, like, her embodiment of the tapeworm, and he's not <laughs> even real. talking about Mr. Big is like a 16-foot tapeworm. <laughs> yes. It's like, uh, I'm sorry. I was. I don't mean to make fun of people that like actually enjoy this stuff, but like, I saw the time counter, and this is like pushing two and a half hours. Uh huh. And there's more plot in the the opening title scroll than is necessary for several movies. <laughs> and what was the Mexico thing? Oh my god. That wasn't even like a tangent. That was like a cosine. <laughs> I was really hoping pregnant running chick though that that the whole like her having racist diarrhea was gonna like come back and she would fall and like have a miscarriage. <laughs> really, that really would be Montezuma's revenge. Yeah. Montezuma any pagan god should have like down some kind of revenge there. Like, <laughs> right. like, it's kind of, it's just flashing back to me as I'm talking about it. There's a very acid flashback kind of scenario. I'm not, I'm not strong enough to bury these memories. None um, of us are. Oh my god. Yeah, and it's it's not even like that it's so overtly horrible like that. It's just like this banality of like terrible, horrible people. It's insidious. Hey, uh, it's uh, uh. Anyway, so I came up with booze. <laughs> right. <laughs> so pink peppercorns that are not really peppercorns. That's where right. we were. So I, I infused this with like this like brown sugar caramel kind of base, and then spun it through the centrifuge um, for about 15 minutes, which made this like it was dark but clear, not like muddy or sticky or anything like that. And uh, mix that basically 50-50 with a gin um, that's, uh, I'm, I'm pulling a, a Canadian inferiority complex here, uh, but I used a gin that is local to my area, which is, um, it's actually quite nice. It's, uh, it's got some kitschy name. Um, if I could explain how this gin makes me feel is apparently the name of it. Uh, but uh, What? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a local distiller. It's only been in the last few years because we're way backward in the booze department. Uh, we've ha- uh, been really allowed in my province to go whole hog on distilling. Um, so there's a bunch of distilleries opening up, which is kind of exciting. Um, and these guys are putting out some decent stuff. So it's like it's so it's like I can't believe it's a girdle, or I can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> I can't believe it's a butter girdle. Uh, <laughs> That's an idea, uh, but it's it's a very nice like uh, floral kind of uh, kind of a gin. It's it's on the overproof side, which I didn't really realize when I started mixing this stuff, uh, which quickly became apparent. Um, 
And but but after many many years of like reading things like Wine Spectator magazine and uh, uh, Food and Wine, where I get to read all these wonderful reviews of booze and spirits and beer that are available all across the United States that I can never ever get. <laughs> it's just nice to be able to like use an ingredient that is probably only going to be available in my municipality and talk about it. But it turned into like a very nice peppery uh, caramelly cocktail and um, it helped get us through. That's really all you need is just how do you get through this fucking movie? And of course the answer is I guess, yeah. I mean, th- that's one of the things that I found kind of shocking. Like, mutation of this whole series is that these are, like... I was expecting something kind of like an American mm, mm, absolutely fabulous kind of a thing. Oh, I wish. Yeah. Oh, I wish. Yeah. But, no, it, there's, like, a remarkably conservative vibe. Uh-huh. Yeah, it really betrays itself, because, like you said, it's got a very conservative vibe. But, at the same time, it pretends to be something... That it's just abs- it's, that it's just not, and that is so irritating, because it doesn't take long to like kind of punch through that, you know, Nestle's surprise chocolate shell, and realize <laughs> you didn't get any toy inside. It's kind of like a false flag operation <laughs> of girl power. I mean, it's like I'm a very middle class white guy, and I don't really feel right about saying that, but I can't come to any other conclusion. Yeah. And. And, and the, the men that the women are, like, kind of scrambling over are just, like, these stoic cardboard cutout type non-entities. Uh, yeah, do y'all see why I don't want to go to New York? Do y'all remember the Family Guy episode where Peter fell in love with the Kathy Griffin cardboard cutout from Coors Lot? Like, took it to... That wasn't Kathy... Kathy Ireland, not Kathy Griffin. Jeez. I was like, Kathy Griffin? What? No! Okay, okay. There is a difference. <laughs> There's a difference. <laughs> Somebody somewhere has fallen in love with a Kathy Griffin cardboard cutout. <laughs> it never happened. <laughs> but it was not. It was not like for Bud Light or anything. It was probably like for an IUD or something. Um, <laughs> You know what? I'm, the, I'm not even embarrassed by that. Fuck it. I'm drunk. I don't give a fuck. No, own it. <laughs> yeah, that's mine. That's, I did that. We're going to come out of the woodwork now. <laughs> all the Kathy Griffin fans in the audience. God damn it, X. <laughs> Put up your hands. <laughs> <laughs> you should know better than that. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, all, all Kathys are the same. What do I know? I'm dead. You killed me. <laughs> don't die. Oh, Dr. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I don't even know whether to keep that in the show or just put it in the blooper reel. Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> God, I'm mute. No, I can't control myself. <laughs> <laughs> So we've really, uh, yeah, I guess I guess we've exhausted this, because that's the right thing to do, is just drink all the way through this fucking movie. That's about the best conclusion I think you can come to. That sounds good, though, man. I don't like, I don't like gin. To me, drinking gin is like drinking a Christmas tree, mm-hmm. so I just, I, I can't get into that much, you know, pine. I get that. Uh, it was one of those weird things, like, a few years ago, it was just 
kind of one of those conclusions I kind of came to without really thinking about it. So it's like, oh, I think I'm prepared to like gin now. Does it work like that? Kind of. I mean, I don't know. My whole life has been kind of like that. Like, uh, when I was in my late teens, I, like, all of a sudden decided that I like bourbon. Wow. And then very quickly, like, my nickname became Turkey. <laughs> As in wild? Yeah, well, actually, I tried to make my nickname Turkey. It actually, my nickname actually became Gobble Gobble. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so I, I didn't have much control over that, but apparently that was like my watch cry while drinking. And uh, wow, gobble gobble, yeah, gobble, like gobble. a midnight gobble, mm-hmm, pretty much. Um, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Cocks. <laughs> that still kind of haunts me today. Like uh, so, you know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but um, yeah, uh, gin just became something a few years ago that I like tuned into, and um, it's it's not like an everyday kind of a thing, but every now and then I get a craving for it. Fair enough. All right, man. Well, you know we're like on an accelerated schedule. You know this, so if there's something going on at at, at, at picnic that you want to talk about real quick, you know that's actually like happening within this month, hmm. you can totally do that, and it will still be a it was. It will still be timely. Fantastic. I think probably when this is dropping, we're going to be heading into one of the bigger art festivals that's happening in uh, in Halifax, Dartmouth, uh, Nova Scotia, um, an art festival called Nocturne. Ooh. Which, yeah, it, it, it's actually a lot of fun. It's something that started a few years ago, and it's basically uh, a fall arts fest where. Pretty much the entire Twin Cities get turned into a big gallery, uh, sort of in the from dusk till dawn kind of time. What is the Twin City for Halifax? Well, Halifax and Dartmouth. For sort of oh, okay, okay. Technically, we're kind of one city now, based on legislation, but culturally, we're there's still kind of resistance to that. It's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. It'll take like seven generations before that gets sorted out. Oh, I'm sure. Halidart. Halidart? Halidart. I was trying to combine the two... Ne- I'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be clever. It obviously did not work. No, it, it was just beyond us. It'll, it'll, it'll make sense to all of us in a few years, and we'll be like, oh, shit, we should listen to X. <laughs> that happens. <laughs> Occasionally. I look back, and I'm like... Shit, I should have listened to him four years ago. He was right. <laughs> so Nocturne, that sounds amazing. It, it's usually a good time. Uh, so we've got some stuff planned. We're going to be doing like an outdoor mural on the, uh, the surface of the restaurant. We're inviting people to come and sort of paint by numbers a uh, an exterior wall mural on the side of the side of the restaurant. And I'll be cooking up some sort of more portable late night kind of snacks rather than our usual. Uh, menu. Um, we might be doing, uh, if everything goes according to plan, we're going to be doing some um, some stuff involving uh, what's called Miracle Berry, uh, which is a distillate of a berry that is native to uh, parts of Africa that um, messes with your mouth and makes it so that you can't taste bitter things. And things that would normally be bitter will uh, be perceived as sweet. So you drink like straight lemon, squeeze lemon right out of the fruit and it will taste like lemonade. So uh, hopefully if everything goes according to plan, we'll be doing some uh, tasting samplings and stuff like that. Oh, that sounds fun. Mm -hmm. I can think of a couple of Sex in the City girls who could have used that. (laughs) (laughs) 
a couple. <laughs> I can't keep their names straight. I tried. I even tried taking notes. Yeah, me neither. I just called them Shallow 1, Shallow 2, Shallow 3, Shallow 4. Mm. Like, Did you guys watch the show uh, Scream Queens on Netflix? I did not, but he did. I watched, well, I never finished the second season, but I did watch the first season. Oh, okay. I, I, watched, I watched the first season. I never um, I, I never had a chance to watch the second season, but um, I really kind of want to go back and revisit it now because I think I have a whole other level. Of- you know what? That makes perfect sense. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, I think I'm getting more of a sense of what that might have been a direct response to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you for showing up on this episode. I can't believe you actually watched the movie, man. You didn't even have you didn't even have to do that. You did that to yourself. Tell your wife we're sorry that that happened, but you know. Also, oh, tell your wife with, that we think she's pretty awesome. We need to find some movie that's just polarizing, like betwixt genders, and just all four of us just find it out. <laughs> hey, if you ever find an excuse to do the Manitou, I'll need an excuse to do the Manitou. Well, we're gonna rope her into being a part of that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right then. And I won't. Oh. I won't warn her at time. Nope. Nope. Just tell her to guard well the pips <laughs> and the. You like Tony and Curtis, the right? He's cool. <laughs> on her neck. <laughs> you're saying. You're saying it's on her neck. <laughs> oh my god. You know, dinner, drinks, and a movie's a great date, even if you're in hell. But. What if you can't get a date? What if you can't get your romantic life together? What if you ruined a perfectly good romantic relationship because you don't know how to use a goddamn phone correctly? (laughs) Well, shit. Sounds like you need some advice. You should totally ask Aunt Goaty. You talking to me? What do you do? What's in the fucking box? Does he look like a bitch? What's the boogeyman? Did you see the memo about this? Is it true that there is a place in a man's head that if you shoot it, it will blow up? This is the part of the show where we answer all of your questions about love, life, and the most effective forms of clitoral stimulation. There are so many ways to reach out, Goaty, for her to answer your questions. It's almost like she's accessible. Easiest, bestest, and mostest funnest way to do it is to join the Kiss the Goat Facebook group. I imagine most of you listening are already in the Kiss the Goat Facebook group, so we encourage you to encourage other like-minded folks to like our minds and our encouragement by joining the Kiss the Goat Facebook group. Facebook.com slash group slash Kiss the Goat is the place and book is your face. Leave questions for us there, post memes, interact with us directly, donate large amounts of Bitcoin. It is a hootenanny. It is indeed. You can also send us messages via our fully functional, mobile responsive internet website at www.kissthegoat.com. There's actually a lot on the site. There's Chef Sal's recipes, episode archives, our merch store, and a contact form where you can send your questions in. That's easy, right? You can also leave us a voicemail on the GOAT line. You got a phone, right? You like to talk on the phone, right? 
Yeah, me either. I'd rather text than talk. But at least you know we're not actually going to answer. So it isn't so much talking to us as it is talking towards us. So dig that? No real conversation. See? We're safe. It's 865-309-4969. That will get you in touch with the GOAT line. Or you can just send us an email. The address is goatofmadness at gmail.com. Actually, that's probably the easiest. It's really boring, but I ain't your mama. Do what you want. Our first question comes from one of our English listeners. Appreciate the love from overseas, y'all. Here's what she says. Dear Aunt Goaty, my family, like, totally sucks. We left England to go live in this really lame podunk tower. Everyone's all, like, churchy. But that wasn't enough for my dad. He moved us to the middle of nowhere so he could, like, be even more churchy. It sucks here. There's like nothing to do and no one cool my age to hang with. My little brother and sister are such a pain in the ass and kind of creepy too. And if that wasn't enough, I'd totally get stuck with changing the baby's diaper, which like, ew. And then my mom is like being totally such a major bitch, giving me shade because I'm like way hotter and younger than she is. I mean, does she think I'm like after my own dad or little brother or something? Ew, gross. Aunt Goaty, all I want is to see the world, date some cute guys, like go shopping for even just one pretty dress, maybe some really, really cute silver earrings or ring. My mom has a silver cup, but it's so totally tacky old lady taste. Yuck, I wouldn't even steal it. And like, God, even just a little butter in my croissant. Can you help me? Signed, wish I totally could hide me the hell out of here. Honey, I think the best thing that you can do is take off your clothes and go live in the middle of the woods. Do you have a goat? A goat would be good. Seriously, if you have a goat, listen to the the goat. Listen to the goat. And And then do what Cootie says. Go out the woods, take off your clothes. And be fucking free. And just see who shows up, man. Mm -hmm. Just see who shows up. That's what you do. You just find your tribe. That's right. Find your tribe. Well, our next letter is from, well, apparently an animal lover. This writer says, um, yes, hi, my name is Jennifer Anderson, but friends call me Lil Jenny, or you can call me Lil Andy if you prefer. I, um, (laughs) yeah, I would like to maybe purchase some goats, but I really want fainting goats, you know, the kind of goats that faint. My son really likes goats, but only fainting goats. If you could let me know if you have goats of the fainting variety and the price of what 6.66 fainting goats would run me, yeah, that would be most appreciated. I'm able to pay in cursed dolls or possessed virgins. Please get back to me as soon as you can. The full moon approaches, awaiting your response, little Jenny. I like cursed dolls and possessed virgins. I do too, but I'm wondering how you're going to get .66 of a goat. Um, well, well, we may have to round it up. Yeah. Or or round it down, that's fine, but we don't have any fainting goats right here on the premises because we live in an apartment. And as cool as fainting... They kind of frown on that. They don't look kindly upon it, and fainting goats, you know, they have a bit of a stank to it, but we are willing to do what we can to get our hands on some possessed virgins. 
Okay. Yeah, so uh, let us do a little research, and uh, we'll get back to you. I don't know about, well, it's it's been a while since we've had to deal with virgins, and um, I don't know. That sounds all right. Oh, yeah, you know, especially if they're possessed. That could be all kinds of entertainment. All kinds of fucking weird. Hell, yeah. That's our key to internet fame right there, baby. Get weird? Just get weird with the possessed virgin. Holy shit. <laughs> Making that sweet Pornhub money. Our final question for this week comes from new acolyte Joe Banks. Joe says, Dear Aunt Goaty, I don't like to be touched or, to be honest, any human contact, but I like sex. Is there a workaround? No animals or fake stuff either. Oh, honey. Got one word for you. Succubus. That's a better idea than what I had. What was your idea? Uh, well, get a couple of ribs removed. Oh, well, yeah, you know, but still human contact. Oh, yeah, but it's himself. I just figured that might be all right. It's not another human. Well. I mean, shit. I mean, I know if I, know if I was 16 and I broke a couple of ribs, I wouldn't have left the house. Wouldn't have left the house? Yeah, if you had a succubus, you wouldn't either. Well, that's true. So that's it. That's what you, you need a succubus. You need, how do you raise a succubus? Um. Is there a ritual for that? I'm sure there is. We'll have to. There's got to be. Again, when this requires a little more research. So maybe we'll do, uh, maybe we'll, we'll come up with something and let you know on that one. Well, throw that into your Google machine, see if you can't find you a succubus raisin ritual. <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> I think the best place to start is Craigslist. <laughs> no. And if, if, if that doesn't work for you, then whatever, whatever city you live in, I don't know if you live in a big town or a small town, but the nearest big town should have um, an online publication known as the Backpages. Check there and just say, hey, who here's a succubus? And you'll get a response. I guarantee it. Kids, that's going to do it for this week. (laughs) (laughs) Join us next Friday as we head towards the fourth level of hell. Thanks to Bo at Legion for keeping us on the nets, which are entered. It's a safe place for people like us, and we appreciate it. We do indeed. And thanks to all of you for listening. You keep this elegant caravan of shock and disgust moving forward. Till next time, my name is X. And I'm Cootie. Backdoor Back guests are best. best. Bye. Bye. <laughs> How come we're willing to write our own outros, but not our own rules? Oh, fuck you. <laughs>